Yo guys, welcome back to another enthralling episode of the Humanity Jitsu Podcast. Today's episode 89. I think it's 89. I never fucking keep track of episode numbers because when you just get high enough, you're like, uh, is it 89 or 91 or what's the deal? <laughs> I don't. But my own stupidity aside, today I'm joined by Mike Paldino. Guys, we all know Mike from the classic video of him exposing this fake black belt at his one gym because your man's peddling bullshit. And we talk a lot about that. Great episode, great guy. And we we spent ages fucking talking about Darce chokes because, in case no, someone doesn't know, I'm completely and utterly obsessed with Darce and Anaconda chokes. So, hopefully, if you are too, you'll learn something from this episode. <laughs> and so, guys, just uh, bear with me because we had a bit of a slight audio lag with this episode. So, if you hear me and Mike talking over each other, it's because of the lag. So, you know. Um, bear with us for this we're sorry about that so guys with that said thanks for listening hope you enjoy okay guys welcome back to the Men's Jiu Jitsu Podcast it's episode 89 and I'm here with the one and only Turtle Master as I've affectionately called him Mike Paldino what is up I hope I said the name right or is it Paladino <laughs> you said it exactly right how you doing man good man uh, guys for those of you who don't know Mike or you don't know his name you might know him to see he was on the most we all, we've all seen the video, the classic video of him exposing this fake black belt at this one gym. Now, I got a few I got a few questions, Mike. First and foremost, how did you first hear about that guy and what motivated you to go over there and check the place out? Man, so I first heard about him. Um, I first heard about Jay. One of my students came in and he's like, hey, you got to come over. The guy's like two towns over. He's like, you got to come over to Newburgh. This guy's teaching at the War Memorial and, and he's a black belt. And I just, as a joke, like just totally joking around, I was like, nah, dude, sounds like a fraud to me. As a joke, didn't even really mean it, you know? And um, so that was that. That was like the first time I heard of him. And then like five or six months after that, um, no, one of sorry. my friends, go ahead, sorry. Uh, you just uh, cut out there for a sec. Like, I'll cut around that, though, Dory. Yeah, you were saying one of your buddies telling you? So one of my buddies reached out. He was he was driving by that guy's gym, and he's like, hey, man, check out this this guy on uh, YouTube or something like that or Facebook. He's like – he seems kind of sketchy to me. And then I saw his videos, and it was like everything he was doing was completely wrong. But he's like walking around with a black belt on. Like his hip escapes were wrong. Just everything was wrong. So I called him up and I was like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, like uh, I have a gym. I'm a brown belt. I have a gym like two towns over. I was wondering if we can come through and cross train with you. And he was like, oh, for sure, for sure. You know, and uh, we went over there and he's like warming up with these like crazy, ridiculous warm ups. I wish we had the whole thing recorded instead of just like the interaction because I did his class and then it was just like the most, I, I thought I was being punked, you know, and <laughs> this guy's like warming up with like nonsense capoeira, like it wasn't even real capoeira, and he's like throwing all these crazy things, and it was just insane, right, so then it's time to, to, to like teach technique, and he's like, man, come here, let me use you, so he uses me for technique, and then he's showing how to defend a leg kick, and he, he is going to catch my leg and then spin me, and I'm going to spin like a spiral and fall on the ground, like a Steven Seagal movie. Like, <laughs> the only thing he could have seen this from, the, the only way he saw this was in, like, a 1980s action hero movie. And uh. so he, like, tries to do it, and I just, like, you know, I just stiff him. I just dead weight. And he's like, no, I'm going to spin, and then you're going to spin around, you're going to fall down. And I was like, he does it again, and I just didn't move. And <laughs> Like my guys are like, I brought a couple guys with me, and they're like looking at me, like laughing, you know, like trying to conceal their 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 their, their laughter. And um, so we we move on from that, and then it's time to train. And he's like pairing all of me and my guys with each other, you know. And he's like walking into the gym, walking out of the gym, walking into the gym, like going outside. And I could tell like he doesn't know how to confront the fact that he's not gonna roll, right? And uh, so. One of his students yells up because he pairs me up with one of his students who was like a total beginner, obviously, being trained by a fraud. And um, I stand up to like – I open his closed guard. I stand up to start to knee cut. And his student's like, hey, coach, he's standing up. You said he's not allowed to stand up. You tell us we can't stand up. And then I look at him like, what? And he's like, no, no, he's okay. He can stand up. He can stand up. And then I was like, uh, like what the hell's going on here, you know? And so um, – <laughs> then I, I ask him, I'm like, hey, man, you want to roll? And then that's where the whole video takes off. The guy started recording, and, 
and that was the whole kit and caboodle. Oh gosh, like, gee, like, okay, I got several questions. First and foremost, when you first rang him up and says, "Oh, I'm a brown belt, I want to come over and train." First and foremost, why did he say yes? Why would he willingly expose himself <laughs> as being a fucking bullshitter? Like, uh, secondly, why? When do we catch leg kicks in jujitsu? I Yo. like. I've never, yep. ever, ever, ever seen anything like like. Is is this Muay Thai class or something or what? What what was what's going on? It was and thirdly, so absolutely bizarre. And one of the one of the parts that I forgot to mention is when he saw me rolling with my guys. He's like, "Hey man, can I talk to you?" You know, and I say, "Sure, sure." And he's like, "Man, you need to be teacher here. Like, I will pay for you. You be teacher here. You teach jujitsu here." And I was like, "Nah, dude, I can't teach. I'm sorry. Like, I, I have a gym. Like, thanks for thanks for the offer, but I can't do that." He's like, "Man, you good teacher. You teach here." And like, like he was trying to cover up the fact, you know, like he just wanted to be like, oh, we've got a good teacher here, or whatever the case is, someone that knows jujitsu. So he was trying to entice me a bit, like, oh, I'll offer you a job, you know. And uh, yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, dude, and the last question I have is this this isn't specifically aimed towards him. This is a more general thing. People in Nogi, when they wear their belts, because he's wearing his black belt in the video when he's just in a short and t shirts. Why? <laughs> like, so. <Man. laughs> It is so, so bizarre to me when gyms do this. Like, like I, I just don't understand it. You know, like I don't understand why they have a belt wrapped around their waist in nogi. You're never going to enter a tournament and a guy's going to have his belt wrapped around his waist. You know, just I, I just don't get it. It's the same exact. Like, people will grab it even by accident. Like, say, you know, they go onto you and go into crab ride. They'll grab the belt because they want to take your back. And like, oh, don't grab my belt. It's fucking nogi, dude. <laughs> or they'll put their foot in your belt to try to escape. You know, and it's like. Or- I guess, like, if an argument can be made, like, perhaps uh, people wear a belt so you can distinguish rank. Okay, well, then either A, tell somebody what your rank is before you roll them, or B, just wear ranked rash guards. You know, it's like, you don't have to wear a belt. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Mike, you, cu- you you cut out there. You said you were starting at A. I'll, I can cut this out. Like, okay, uh, no. you said, first, firstly, A. <laughs> Yeah, like I guess I can understand what the what the uh, point would be for someone to want to wear belts in their academy, and it might be to distinguish what the rank is. But the the first thing is like you can wear ranked rash guards, uh, number one, or you could just tell people like, hey, before we roll, hey, you're a blue belt, I'm a white belt, whatever the case is. You know, it does. I, I think wearing a belt is is weird. Mm. Or if you guys train with, like, even, like, whatever, if someone comes to the gym, like, tell them that, that's all good. But if you're already trained with each other, you should know what fucking belts your training exactly. partner is. Unless it's, exactly. unless it's a massive, massive gym, and you, you, it's literally impossible to know each and every person who's there, because it's so big, and there's so many people each and every night. It's, like, fucking, it's crazy. Just wear yeah. behind trash guards, because like, they're I so fashionable. That dude, I think with that guy in, in particular, I think he just, like... You know, I think it was a mental issue, and this guy really believed, you know, because it wound up being that he never had even gotten ranked, you know, in, in, in the, the case of Jay. Um, he never made it past white belt. I wound up finding out after, and um, he would just, like, go to a gym, come back, wearing a different belt. And then I had found out after that, too, that he tried to go to another gym locally in the region, and he tried to get a job, and he was like, oh, I'm a black belt. And the instructor instantly knew that he was not a black belt, but he didn't he didn't take the route that I took that was like, you know, let's expose this dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, like, one thing he really should have done better is hide it better. Like, first, like, you don't just go go, go around pretend to be a black belt. Go around <laughs> pretend to be a blue belt first. Yes. Pretend to be a blue belt for, like, a year and a half and then pretend to be a purple belt. It's like, come on, this, this is basic rudimentary manipulation <laughs> here. Like, come on. If you're going to be a fraud, you've got to be smart about being a fraud. He went, uh, one of his students told me that he he uh, he had started with him, right? So I guess what happened is the guy worked at a strip club, and then he was a line cook at the strip club. And then he told the boss, like, "Oh, you know, like I I, I trained jujitsu." And the boss was like, "Well, what the hell are you doing as a line cook? Let's 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 make you head of security." And like he had gotten all these promotions in his life by lying. And um, so one of his students had come to me after everything had had gone down. And he was like, man, I was there when he first opened up and he was wearing a purple belt. And then like three weeks later, he was wearing a black belt. And everyone was like, yo, where'd you get the black belt? He's like, oh, I've been a black belt the whole time. I, I left it in Brazil. I had to I had to have my family mail it up to me, you know, and it's like he clearly just went on Amazon and spent, you know, whatever, 15 bucks on a black belt. Hey, so why, not, why would you, like, let's even if that's 
for sake of argument, if you only have a purple belt handy, just don't train in the gi for a few weeks. Just do all no gi. <laughs> like, don't don't have people fucking whatever belt. Like, oh my god, or yeah, dude, we- like it's like um, man, what was I think? What was I thinking? It was um. Yeah, it's like uh, you there? Yeah, you keep you keep cutting out. Yeah, sorry, man. No, it's like okay. uh, I, I I'll cut around it. My masterful, ed- I'll put my masterful editing skills to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, do you ever see? Like I've heard, like back in the day when there weren't too many mixed martial arts gyms around, like you know, some of them would be saying, "Oh, we teach jujitsu at this school, at this martial MMA gym." They say, "Oh no, here's here's the workaround." They say they have black belt instruction and they teach jiu-jitsu for all you know the guy teaching jiu-jitsu is a black belt in karate or taekwondo or something exactly. or, 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 or like you know the only way uh, if it was a judo black belt fair enough but just say you're teaching judo just say oh this isn't jiu-jitsu we're doing judo like exactly. there's worse worse things in the world than be, you know uh, i would never fucking want to go standing with a judo guy but you know uh that's what pulling guard is for exactly <laughs> but scooting <laughs> Uh, dude like I don't even care man I pull guard in all my matches I'm like fuck this noise well to be fair I haven't been able to compete in a year and a half so um, you know fuck that noise I might get better wrestling soon but so Mike <clears throat> one thing I'm curious about each of my guests is like what did you like how did you first get into jiu jitsu anyway like how did you train anything else anything else before starting it or did you just start with jiu jitsu um, so I mean I trained like traditional martial arts as a kid and then I think I trained well, I don't think, but I trained karate around 17 or 18 for, I don't know, like three weeks. The the gentleman who I had signed up at his gym had told me that they did grappling there and that they did like arm bars. And I knew nothing about jiu-jitsu, by the way. I mean, I, I knew enough from watching MMA, but I couldn't get past someone being, you know, fraudulent. And so the 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 point that I'm trying to make is that this guy told me that they do grappling at his karate school and that they practice, you know, arm bars and whatnot. And so I was like, you know, I'm in man. And I signed up for six months and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, that, that would, that was like my first start, but it was, it was literally nothing. I, me and my friends would rent, um, we would rent like the UFC DVDs and we would go to the bookstore and buy like jujitsu books. And we would, we would grapple in, in, in the basement. And that's, that, that was like my first, like training that was not organized. And so I was about 18. And then when I was probably, probably right before my 19th birthday, I had started training at a jujitsu gym formally. And um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was how I got started. And it's funny because I had always been into grappling, like even as like a super little kid because I loved professional wrestling. And so like would wrestle around with my dad and, and so on and so forth. And by the time I went to my first formal class, like I think I might have caught a Kimura on like a blue belt, you know, and and not even because he was like a bad guy, but he probably had no idea that I like at least knew one submission, you know, and the coach comes out and he's like, hey, you you know how to Kimura. I was like, yeah, I saw it in a Gracie beginner book, you know, <laughs> uh, dude, speaking of wrestling, like uh, who was your favorite wrestler back in the day, man, Shawn Michaels, that was my favorite wrestler when I was a kid. <laughs> and then, and then Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Good choice, man. Uh, dude, see, um, <clears throat> what was uh, your? When did you like? How long were you training before you did you like your first competition? And how did how to go for you? So, um, I was training probably I think for three weeks before my first competition. And just to give you an idea about how naive I was to jujitsu, I signed up for the black belt division as a three week white belt. And um, my coach is like, you know, he was a younger guy, too. He was only a couple years older than me. And he was like, yeah, I, you know, you can't sign up for that black belt division. I was like, why not? And he goes, well, because, you know, they've been training for – he didn't know how to, you know, tell me that I was being a knucklehead. He was he was sparing my feelings. And he's like, well, these guys have been training a really long time. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, so what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick their ass, man. And uh, he was like <laughs> – he was like, how about we do this? How about you sign up for the white belt division? And if you win the white belt division, we'll talk about you entering the black belt division. And I was like, deal, you know, and I went out there. And uh, my first match, man, I was super tough. I wound up losing to uh, I wound up losing to somebody. It was like by referee's decision. I literally just held him. I, I think I, I might have been 
in my half guard. I don't can't remember if I pulled guard or something like that. And I just was in my half guard the whole fight. And it was like five or six minutes. And the referee raised his hand. And I was like, why, why are you picking him? He's like, you were just on the bottom in half guard the whole time, you know? And uh, so, so I lost my first match three weeks after training. And then I would continue to lose for the next 18 months of jujitsu every match that I had. So I would, and man, I was making like $80 a week back then, which is a tournament is, is a quarter of my income at the time I was in high school and I was working for UPS and I would drive around and I'd go to tournaments in New Jersey. I'd go to tournaments in uh, Pennsylvania. I was just driving around to go to tournaments um, and I would lose and lose and lose. And it, it taught me the ability to persevere, you know, and, and I, every time I lost, I, I didn't get, and I wouldn't even say that I, I sucked. It's not that I sucked. I just like, I couldn't make it work out there under the, you know, under the, the, the pressures of, 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 of competition. And I, I've learned a lot in my life. I'm 32 now, but I've learned so much in my life from, from being under pressure and not being, you know, dejected by it and, and, and overcoming, because I'll tell you what, I lost every match for the first 18 months. I probably did like 10 or 12 competitions. And when I finally won a division, um, you know, when, when, when I finally won a match, I won a division, you know, I won, I won the, 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 uh, white belt division. And, uh, I, there's a hilarious story about that. If I may go on. Um, so <laughs> no, I, go on, man. I, <laughs> I had gotten my blue belt, right. And my coach gave me my blue belt and I was, I was like really self-conscious. I felt like, uh, what do they call that? Where you're, uh, imposter syndrome, right? I felt like, damn, I don't deserve to be a blue belt. So I went to a tournament with a buddy who I haven't seen since this tournament. He moved away. I went to a tournament. It was a Naga with a guy and he won the Nogi division and he was, he was a, a beginner. He's a white belt. He won the Nogi division and he said, he must've had like six or seven matches. And he's like, man, there's no way I can do Gi. And I was like, I can do it. And his name was Don. And so I just put a line on the O and turned his name to Dan. And back in the day, Naga, you just used to hand in the cards. They didn't check for ID. So I signed up under this dude's name and entered the white belt division as a blue belt, right? Totally sandbagged. And uh, I won the division. And that's when I got confident. I was like, okay, maybe I do deserve to be a blue belt. You know, I got my blue belt like two weeks before that. But it, it, it's funny how, how we, uh, it's funny how I decided to try to, get confident and it required sandbagging i'm such a bastard <laughs> uh, that's that's sort of frowned upon nowadays uh, but dude like uh have you ever seen like a ridiculous case of sandbagging because like i've seen guys have been like blue belts for like fucking six years and shit it's like fucking crazy and ridiculous have you Man. ever seen like a really rid ridiculous case of it I definitely have seen some some guys that are just you know super good sandbagging. Maybe not to the to the to the extent where they're wearing the wrong belt, <laughs> but uh, definitely got. I mean, look at Nicky Rod. Not that I would call him a sandbagger per se, but he was tearing up the 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 regional scene around here. You know, going to tournaments and I mean just crushing everybody. I watched him beat a black belt. And, and he was a blue belt and he, he beat a good black belt, you know, and, and he was a blue belt. And I was like, damn, how is this dude a blue belt? You know, hmm. <laughs> well, at least he's a purple belt now. <laughs> exactly. Guy goes there. Was he a blue belt in ADCC? I think he might have been. Yeah, he got his purple belt on the podium after after he got silver. Insane. Yeah, yeah. right before that. I remember everyone was talking about him on the, the, the local scene. And I was like, my God, the guy's a monster. Oh, Jesus, man. Uh, dude, like, I did a whole episode about sandbagging. It's a bit dated now. I might do another one. But, you know, like, I know sometimes it's because you move around a lot. Like, there's a million excuses. Or, like, but when it's for, like, there's so many people who do it just so their, their gym can win medals. That's yes. really fucking scummy, in my opinion. I totally I, And then, you know, you, I see some of these sandbaggers on Instagram. Like, four years, and you're acting like you're a prodigy. You've been, if I was the same look like i was good at jiu-jitsu too so like they're acting like it's oh i've only just started and i'm just so good and naturally talented i'm like no you're just a cunt yes you've just stayed at this belt rank and smashed everyone for the last x amount of years and yeah no i i, I totally agree 
Uh, you know, man, it's just an ego thing for these people. Like, oh yeah, they want to make it. They want to make it look like they're producing prodigies at their gym. Meanwhile, it's they're just holding somebody back. And a lot of these people know it too, man. As far as like, you know, they'll be a blue belt for for five years, and I mean, they will be have winning everything except for the Moon Giles, and they're still a blue belt. You know, mm. ah, dude, like, it's so it's crazy, man. Ibi, you know, that's such such is life. All you can do, like, I like, I think at some Naga tournaments, they have, like, sandbagging counters and stuff. Like, if you say, if you pull up, I saw this, like, picture one time, of, like, an anti-sandbagger thing at Naga. It's like, if you pull up someone's fucking Instagram, like, that guy's in the Blue Belt division, but he's been a Blue Belt for four years, and he's won fucking, like, he's won, like, Nogi Worlds. You show that to them, he'll get bumped up to, to, perp, to the Purple Belt yes. division or, or something like that. Yeah, That makes sense. Totally. I know, like, I know, like, Okay, don't go snitching on people because that's fucked up. But still, like, them fucking fighting people who aren't as good as them is fucked up too, so. Mm. Yeah, no, I I, 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 uh, I totally agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, if, if you've won a division multiple times, it's time to go up to a different division. You know, if, you, if you've if you won the beginner division four times, well, start competing in the intermediate division. And if you've won the intermediate division a bunch of times, start competing in the advanced division. You know, even 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 if you are a, a blue belt or a, or a, a, you know, a, a purple belt should definitely be competing in the advanced division. Well, I say definitely, but I'll take that back. You know, there's, there's, I think the bar is different for everybody, but I think that if you are winning and successful, you should be going up in skill level to test yourself. And if you lose, don't go back down a division that you've already won. Continue to try to, you know, win this division. Continue. That's, that's the point of competition. Mm. Yeah, I think Rapping Industries has put something in now. I think they're all like, oh, if you've competed at advanced, you can't compete intermediate again. I'm like, no shit, that makes sense. Like, that that makes perfect goddamn sense. You know, yeah. if you're if you, like, what made what made you good enough to do advanced division that one time, but now you're suddenly not good enough anymore to do advanced division. Like, exactly, exactly. You know how it is. Uh, awesome, Mike. Since we were talking about competition, like, do you have a, a preferred rule set for competitions? Not really. I enjoy a little bit of everything. I definitely enjoy competing in the gi. I'm definitely more successful uh, no gi, like competitively speaking. And um, I haven't really personally done any of the submission only. I'm not opposed to submission only. I just kind of view jiu-jitsu from the perspective of like, I like points in the sense of, you know, the point system is in place for to give credit where credit is due for dominant positions in actual combat, right? Without hitting each other. And I like the idea, like, you know, if you get your guard pass mounted and your back taken, uh, you should be awarded for that. And the other person who survived that, while that's very, uh, you know, that's very good that they did that, uh, they shouldn't have the opportunity to hop on your back and submit you, you know? I, 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 so I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of sub-only, personally, but I, I, I do enjoy, like, ADCC or IBJJF, no gi, or any, anything like that, you know, as long as heel hooks are involved. Mm. Oh, uh, dude, I'm fucking loving heel hooks a lot lately. Like, dude, it's fucking... fucking really good. I'm like, if you're not teaching, like, your student, like, what, what do you, how do you approach, like, teaching heel hooks? Like, when would you start teaching heel hooks to your students? Man, I think, like, um, I've definitely shown some white belt heel hooks, uh, advanced white belt heel hooks to as they're approaching blue and so on and so forth. I think right now what we're seeing is uh, a more – you're starting to see people get good at them, really good at them, and at lesser skill levels, right? Like, your game still has to evolve. You, you, one of the knocks on uh, leg, leg locks have evolved so much and just the sport of jiu-jitsu and the coaching in jiu-jitsu and the, the student body of jiu-jitsu, it's just – evolved so much over the last five ten years like just insane and what you're seeing is a lot of people get good at leg locks per se at a an earlier time in their training maybe they're two years in and now they have amazing leg locks however the only downside is you still have to build other areas of your game one of the 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 things that i notice with good leg lockers that leg lock early is that sometimes they're gung-ho on the leg lock to the point where they get tired of attacking it because someone's defending really well. And then that person that they attacked comes up on top and is inside control and then mount and then so on and so forth, you know? And, uh, so I think it's good to, to learn them early, but it's also good to be, you know, have, have, have a game outside of that when it's not working for you. Mm. No, that makes sense. So As the like, skill you know, level 
of leg lock attacks rise, you're going to see the skill. And I already feel that like watching WNO and, and watching these tournaments as the, the skill level of, of leg lock attacks rise, we're going to see a rise in the defensive tactics as well. Mm. Uh, see, when we're talking about defensive tactics, like I picked up an instructional there, but the Rotola brothers escaping leg locks, I'm like, God fucking damn it. It's so good. Cause you know, you know, they have a, this really good one where you just, you kill 50, 50 and you get into leg drag straight away. I'm like, that's fucking really good because I fucking hate 50-50. 50-50s for a bunch of fucking pussies. <laughs> but it's especially, like, no gi 50 is grand, you know, could go either way, whatever. But in gi and 50-50, I think in all of jiu-jitsu because everyone just fucking does these retarded haphazard. Like, it's not even real ankle locks. They, they'll try to sell it just to get an advantage and they just fucking do roly-polies do the yeah, I agree. Right, I would you guys that, actually fucking do jujitsu? I, I know how it is. I think that uh, I think that uh, nogi fifty fifty is a really good position. Probably one of the best positions to attack the 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 inside heel hook from. Um, but in the gi, it's definitely a way to just stall. Essentially, it's tough. I was at the um, I was at the I forget what year the Moon Giles it was. It might have been twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. But the finals, I believe, was JT Torres versus. Isaac uh, Bynes of, of, I think he's with uh, Alliance. And Isaac won, but he won like two to two by one advantage. And he just got to 50-50. And it was like, you know, the black belt matches are eight minutes. And it's like he got to 50-50 and uh, he just, he just you know, stalled out from the 50-50 with his advantage. And it's like, you know, it's not pleasing. That's I, I don't, personally, I don't admire jujitsu like that or, or adhere to to that but also from like and this is you know earlier you you were asking me about um uh you know gordon ryan on his stance with the gi versus no gi and i think some of this 50 50 play definitely in the gi definitely makes it uh a, a less appealing for for the crowd and the spectators to watch that who wants to watch this 50 50 position for nine and a half minutes where it's at least if you're doing it in no gi and there's heel hooks involved it's like your 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 heel is going to be threatened, and you're going to have to get out of the position. Mm. I just think the problem is too many people suck at like gi footlocks. You know yes. that you know like too many people are just shit at them, and they're like, oh, I'd like I only really do leg locks, no gi, like totally forgetting that they're allowed to do toe holds and shit at brown belts in the gi. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like one of the really good guys, I love Mikey Musumeci's instructionals about the fucking because they're just ankle locks in the gi grand out i fucking like i've said this a million times in the podcast like every single submission win i have in competition is by anchor lock all like seven of them but like they're fucking all i love i love anchor locks because me man, too it's like, my favorite submission from 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 on the legs it's just a basic straight ankle lock dude like i'd see i'd see sambo guys doing it with the big fucking boots on i'm like how the fuck do you actually get how the fuck do you actually finish it unless you get really in on the achilles tendon what's getting blocked with your the fucking boots <laughs> And the, the straight ankle is uh, is is definitely my favorite leg lock submission. It's it's the most high percentage, and uh, I learned how to do it from a sambo guy, my my buddy Vlad Kulikov. And uh, I went to his gym, and man, he ankle locked me, and I never screamed so loud in my life. It, this was this is years ago, and just 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 an incredible ankle lock. I've actually learned a lot from Vlad, and um, yeah, the ankle lock has 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 consistently been one of my favorite go to subs. Hmm. Would you say there's any like major distinction with the way the Sambo guys are doing the ankle lock? Um, I I honestly can't tell you, you guys that. do it. What I can say is that the Sambo guys, because of the format of their sport, you have limited time on that ground if someone stands up. So they just go gung ho, go for broke. Where jujitsu guys are a lot more methodical with it, and that that's just like the philosophy approach, right? Um, but then as far as the the ankle lock with the straight ankle and how they're they're doing it from like a mechanical perspective um vlad and the sambo guys well vlad specifically he comes underneath the achilles heel with his radius that little sharp bone in his wrist and then he tucks his elbow and, and sits back and it's like some some of the jitsu guys you see do it they'll come all the way in and they'll feed the foot to the bicep and get a super deep bite and then launch back and so i think that there's a couple of different ways to do it but i really it was a kind of mind-blowing 
to me for the way that Vlad did it by just attacking the actual Achilles tendon with the sharp bone in your wrist and then keeping those elbows tight. I mean, the other thing is, man, that the control on that foot when you've got a good bite on it, you might be able to spin out of an outside heel hook. I would say very likely someone can spin out of an outside heel hook. A good ankle lock, it's hard to clear your knee. Ooh. Yeah, man, it's fucking tricky. Because, you know, like, if you do all that stupid spinny shit, like, you, like, Many a man has been belly down foot locked by doing that a bit too haphazardly. Yep. Uh, so, Mike, let's uh, see. One of the newer questions I added in there was, is there anything in the BJJ community that you don't like and that you change if you could? Like, if you see it on groups or Instagram pages, it just fucking it annoys the shit out of you? Um, man, I, I don't really know, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I'm sure there is. There's nothing off the top of my head. Besides all the fake black belts out there that you, <laughs> that you haven't exposed we yet. Do, we do a, I, I'll be real. We do a, as a jiu-jitsu community, we do a pretty good job of, of, of spoiling these people you know, that, that, that are fake. But as far as anything I don't like in jiu-jitsu, I mean, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm, I'm sure there is. I think some of the hero worship is, is a little bit overdone. Um, you know, as, as far as like people idolizing these people, you know, everyone is just human at the end of the day, you know, and, and um, I thought it was really cool, believe it or not. I thought it was really cool to see Gordon Ryan slap Andre Galvo and uh, simply for the reason that like, yo, you're, you're, you're going up to this dude, you're shoving him and calling him a pussy and he smacks you in the face. Like, what do you expect? You know, did you expect him to pull guard on you or did you expect him to walk <laughs> Oh, it's like, And then he says after he starts talking, go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you were you were the one being fucking rude and confrontational just a minute ago. Yes, and then on social media, it's like you know, professor, and you know, he's he's you know, yeah. I just I was I was uh, that's that's I guess that kind of hero worship or worship me because the, I, I guess black belt entitlement is is another way to say it. Like some people have black belts and then they're just um you know they don't train anymore they you can't ask them to roll because it's disrespectful and it's like yeah that, i guess i guess that would be my answer for you because that, that some of that black belt entitlement yeah i see like you know i'd see this on on groups like 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 what you said oh you can't ask me to roll i'm like why the fuck not you're a fucking yeah. person we're both we're both training here like unless you're like a fucking uh, unless you're like grandmaster hicks and grace or something like i wouldn't go ask i wouldn't go asking him to roll because i you know whatever because he's actually fucking grandmaster and shit whatever but like you're just a, you're just a black belt like i don't, yeah. don't want to say just a black belt and like try to undervalue it but like it's not like there's only like 20 black belts in the world there's there's quite a few now and like you mean to tell me those guys never asked a black belt to roll when they were uh, a lower belt like get out of here like exactly. i don't i don't believe that for i don't believe that for a second and it's like a different stance. It's if it's like, hey, you know, uh, this lower belt is going up to this higher belt to ask them to roll. It's like one, I encourage that. That's number one. But number two, it's like you can turn down a role, and you don't have to say it's because of superiority. Like if if I turn down a role with someone, and it's because every time I roll with them, I get kneed in the mouth, or I get my lips split, I get my my tooth chipped. It's like all right, this person, you mean me and their energy, you know, it's just not working out for my body right now. So I don't, I, I'm in, in fear of you kicking me in the fucking head right now. I'm gonna avoid rolling with you, and it's like that I can I can get on with. But saying that like I'm not rolling you because you're an inferior rank, I'm I'm just not on board with that. Mm. or you know if someone's injured you a bunch or could potentially injure you again you could say yeah i don't want to roll with you because you injured me like yes. one time like there, there's a i have a very short list of people i don't roll with anymore like you know i roll with, with most people as long as you're not a dickhead or anything but you know yes. like w one comes to mind before um i was gonna do this tournament but this fucking bigger dude who's been training longer than me like i was about 79 kg at the time about like uh don't know what it is in pounds but that's like uh <clears throat> i don't know middleweight or whatever but see he's way bigger than me gets me into turtle puts his hooks in and he goes backwards oh I, yes and I, I i i managed to stop him midway and say whoa, whoa, whoa what the fuck like yeah that's that's like oh, my knees getting fucking ripped and fucking strained I'm lucky because I stopped it, but my knees were in an awful fucking state for months after that. I rounds all the time. It fucking hurt to walk around. I'm like, yeah, dude, you fucked me up good, so I'm not fucking. Ro I'm not rolling with you. You're, you know, you nearly broke both my knees. I've seen people. Uh, I've seen people get their 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 
their knees torn from this position, you know, tear their meniscus or whatever the case is. It's a super bad spot to do. Personally, as a teacher, I try to always tell people when, when they get back from that position, always sit to a hip. Don't ever pull someone straight over their feet. Yeah, man, it's so fuck. Like, do it in MMA or whatever you do you, but don't fucking do it. Don't fucking do that. That's fucked up. That's it's really really fucking sore. <laughs> I, I but don't. I got mine back because after that, like I, I still had adrenaline, so I wasn't feeling the pain straight away. So I put him into an omoplata. So and then I, straight after that, I started feeling pain. I'm like, fuck me, <laughs> goddammit. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit happens. Uh, so Mike, see, uh, I got a few questions for coaches here, like because I'm always trying to pick people's brains from a coaching perspective. Like, what's the first sort of thing you teach new uh, a group of new people? Like, say it's their first day. What's the first sort of thing you you teach? The first thing I teach is I, 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 I call it the six positions of jiu-jitsu, right? And I go over with them the hierarchy of dominant positions in jiu-jitsu. So I'll show them, you know, I'll, I'll draw a pyramid and I'll explain to them, like, at the top of this pyramid is the most dominant position. And we're going to work our way down to the least dominant position. And so I'll say this is the back position. And this is great because we're able to control somebody. If they go to their belly, we can completely subdue them. They can't hit me behind their back, or if they do, it will be kind of, you know, ineffective. And then I'll show this is the mount position. This is the next most dominant position. And this is a great position because my hips are above their hips. I can pin them to the ground, and I can throw strikes here with gravity, and they have to throw strikes against gravity and try to escape. And then, So I'll basically go over the most fundamental positions of jiu-jitsu, and I'll try to ingrain that in them first. This way they're seeing jiu-jitsu from a positional perspective and realizing like, oh, it's not good to be in this position um, from the receiving end, so let me work my way to getting there on the top end. And, and then I'll build systems off of that so people will learn – you know, how to attack, let's say, mount and how to recover from mount, you know, and, and it's pretty much system based from that point on. Mm. Uh, see, like, say it's like an intermediate or an advanced class. Like, what would your coaching style mainly persist of? Would you more would you emphasize more drilling, rolling or positional sparring? So we do a lot of positional sparring. We spend a lot of time doing positional sparring. And then we will go into an open mat format where if you want to stick around and get rolls in, uh, you're more than welcome to. But we do we do pretty heavy live training positionals. Mm. Uh, see, man, uh, a good question I have for like uh, I added this a few months ago. But like, see, uh, what would you say is uh, advice you have for future gym owners and coaches, like any pitfalls or mistakes that you made you, you'd want other people to avoid in the future? Um, I just think that my advice would be to um, – you know, re realize that you, you want to have a great environment. I think that if you know two environments or know two cultures at any gym in the world are the same, every gym is unique. And I think that building a great culture is something that should be, you know, a priority. And on top of that, having an outlet for everybody. So some people are at jujitsu because they want to compete and they want to, you know, be competitively successful. And some people are at jujitsu because they want to learn how to defend themselves. And some people are at jujitsu because they want to get in better shape. And some people are at jujitsu because, you know, there's there's they, 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 there's a social aspect of it that's really great. And I think coming out of the coming out of the pandemic, one of the things I noticed the most was I was really really blown away by how many people came back so quick simply because, you know, the, the, the people that you train with, you wind up having a relationship with that is that, you know, got taken away from you for the last year and a half. And jujitsu is an outlet for people. So, you know, approaching business from this perspective is has helped me tremendously. And it's also providing value, right? Like, so you want to provide very good instruction, you want to give your students attention, and you want to make sure that everyone is coming up to par, right? There's still a bar. And, and, there's still a bar that of expectations and maybe the bar is going to be different for different individuals depending on where they are in their life and their age and whatever whatever variables are into the equation. So there is still a bar, but you don't want to lower the bar and make it a, a, a walk through the park. You know, there's 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 a middle ground where you can you don't have to be competitive, but you could still be very good and precise at jujitsu, you know, whether whether you want to compete or not, but also having the outlet there for people if you do want to compete there's this outlet here and we can train hard and you know and, and so on and so forth mm. 
No, that's a good good answer, my man. And see, like, uh, while we're talking about sort of uh, gym environments, like, what would you say is the most important value you've instilled in your gym environment? I think that a solid work ethic on the mats is something that I've instilled in my students. And, you know, just, just having a friendly culture. You know, when you have guests here, I don't want people to think that, you know, they're going to get shark tanked and everyone's going to beat the shit out of them. I want people to come back, you know, and I want people to come here and realize like guys are, and girls are tough. Um, but also friendly, we're going to come up to you and say hello and, you know, say thanks for coming. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's, I want to, I want to maintain that, that, that respectful and friendly environment that also has uh, quality jujitsu. Mm. No, naturally, because like if people come to your gym, you obviously want them to come back to come back like to come to visit your gym. You want them to come back another time. You know, you don't want them to just drop in and be like, "Oh, that gym fucking sucked." Everyone was a dickhead. You yes, know exactly. You Getting know, there. you 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 want people to be say say nice things about your gym. So if their friend says, "Oh, I'm going uh, to this to this gym. Uh, you were there before. How was it? Oh, it was a good gym. It was grand. Go there." Yeah, exactly. Mm. Also, guys, we've reached a segment to the podcast. I like to call around to specifics, just a bunch of random questions, some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So, Mike, do you want to do a round of specifics? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Excellent. Uh, what would you say is your favorite gi in your collection? My favorite gi is my gameness gi. My, my, I think it's the Air Pro. Uh, what color is it, man? It is blue because I don't wear white gis. Oh yeah, we had a conversation about this. Like, what's your, for for the listeners to hear? What's that? What's your aversion to white keys? They get dirty very quickly. I <laughs> uh, do not if you, not if you take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> On my mats are getting dirty. Uh, I, I do like. What's uh? What color are your mats at your gym? My mats are black and red. So like, oh, man, man, black. That, that, it's the bad color for a white gee. Or dude, uh, black mats in general aren't great because dirt cakes on them, and you can just, yeah. like you can see it so fucking badly, and it'll drive you crazy. Hundred percent agree. Like most gyms around here in my my area, their mats are blue. I see why because you know, you know, dirt goes on them, but it doesn't like stick out like a sore thumb. You know, so if you just keep the mat, you won't have to clean the mats a million fucking times every day. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm with you. You know how it is. <clears throat> we do. We I do, do vacuum and mop the mats twice a day, and and it's like four thousand square feet of just jujitsu mat. It's huge. Jesus fuck. Uh, what's your opinion on wall pads? You guys have wall pads? We do have wall pads, and 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 we got wall pads, and we have a fence on one side, and um, yeah, we love them. We we do some wall work sometimes, and uh, if you're by the wall, you're free to kick off the wall, and uh, yeah. To do the kebab smish, to do kebab yeah. smish up against wall. We smash. <laughs> that's that's smash. a ter- terrible impression. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, like that fucking like. Uh, before we get back into the thing, like one of the things I find really useful is like doing the kebab triangle from the top and just wrapping both their legs up in this little triangle. That's so fucking useful, even without even without them having pinned up against the wall. It's pretty handy. Man, I've learned so much from watching Khabib. Like the way that he he tripods up, he doesn't even try to pass the guard. He just like he like neon bellies and neon shoulders, and just like that's that's one of the I love that aspect of his game. And the other thing is all the hand trapping he's done. Man, that like completely changed my game. How he hand traps from turtle and from the bottom. It's just it's amazing. Like we've ever seen Khabib on the bottom. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I can't help myself. Uh, so, Mike, would you say uh, what would you say is a very underrated movie in your opinion? Like you love this movie, but no one else likes it. Underrated movie? Oh man, I'm trying to think. I'm gonna say it, but it's not underrated. It's the Dead Poet Society. If you haven't heard of it, it it's it's a phenomenal movie. Robin Williams. Is that the movie where they're like, "Oh, oh Captain, my Captain"? Yes. I I haven't seen that. Like I really gotta go look at it. It it's I I love that movie. <laughs> I'll check it out. Uh, man, was uh, was your favorite TV show when you were growing up? My uh, Monday Night Raw. Oh, I <laughs> uh, did. We're pretty. Like, uh, I got. I say when I was growing up, that was the last good fucking stint of Monday Night Raw. Cause like I don't think it's that good anymore. Like when I was growing up, we had some great fucking wrestlers. We we had uh, we had some of the great guys. 
on the tail ends of their careers. And we had some pretty um, good guys in that era anyway. Like, you know, you, you obviously had The Rock at the end of his career. You had Rey Mysterio. You still had The Undertaker there. But, like... I don't think there's any great guys left, and I don't, I don't fucking like WWE anymore. Like, I just don't, don't think I'm, it's as good I'm as with it used you. to be. It's, it's, it's all PG now, and it'll yeah. never be as popular as it once was. I mean, the height of its popularity was that late 90s with Stone Cold and The Rock, and those guys became superstars. I mean, look at The Rock. He's like the number one Hollywood actor. And, uh, yeah, it'll never be as popular as it once was, in my opinion. Oh, man. Like, dude... The, new, the guy they had, I don't even know who the fuck to face the franchise is now, but last time I checked it was Roman Reigns, and nobody yep. fucking likes Roman Reigns. <laughs> they had to fucking take out audio of the crowd booing him, and like, come on, he has no charisma, and he looks like a fucking car, he looks like a brick wall. Like, his face is just, he has no personality. No disrespect. Sorry, that, Roman, but, that's, but sorry, that's Roman Reigns. But right like, now. That's, that's the guy they're all banking on. Like, why would you bank on someone with no charisma? <laughs> Oh my god! Sorry, I uh, sorry to be criticized in the great WWE, but like, no, um, you're, what, you're, what do I'm, I know? I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you. It'll never be as popular as it once was. We had the best era. If they just brought back the Hulkster and if it was just the old ass Hulk Hogan doing shit, I'd, <laughs> I'd watch this. I don't care. That was the blueprint. They did that for like 20 years after that guy was was he was already like whatever 55, 60. They're like, bring back Hogan. Rating shoot up. Oh man, you should. Uh, did you ever read the book uh, by Ryan Holiday? I think it's called Conspiracy about like how how Hulk Hogan and Co destroyed that company Gawker. Such a great, it's a great book. Oh, I gotta check it out. What's it called? It's called uh, Conspiracy by Ryan Holiday. Oh, I gotta check this out. Uh, See, so, you know, like uh, remember the whole Hulk Hogan sex tape scandal back a few yes. years ago with Bob the Love Sponge. Uh, that's like the the uh, what, was, what were we saying? That guy, but it was the, it was with his buddy Bubba the Love Sponge. <laughs> yeah, but like then when they recorded and leaked this, they sort of fucked him over, like no shit. And then like there was this whole shit show, and he's like, I want to fucking get these cunts Gawker back. And you know, uh, I won't spoil anything, but like uh, you know, read it. It's such it's a great thing, great listen as well. I listened to an audible, not sponsored. <laughs> I will definitely definitely check it out. Uh, so, Mike, uh, what would you say is your most embarrassing injury that you've ever had, whether it be a jiu-jitsu injury, a non-jiu-jitsu injury? Just the way you got injured was so fucking ridiculous. Man, I compound dislocated my big toe like three minutes into the start of class. This guy, we were doing um, – my, my coach is a butterfly guard player, so we were doing like these butterfly elevation drills, and the guy, you know, he, he, he like swam in underneath me, elevated me, and put me back down. And my big toe hit the mat wrong and just like totally broke off sideways. It was the most gnarly injury that happened from like the most non you shouldn't be getting injured spot in all of jujitsu. It was just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, you, could you send me some pictures of that later? I like seeing oh, gnarly toes. Will. <laughs> do, you, do you still have to tape that toe to this day? Man, I had to tape it. I couldn't bend that toe for like a year and a half. I don't tape it anymore, but I probably taped it for like two and a half years straight after that. Oh, man. Fucking toes. Like, I, I fucking, uh, I kicked someone in, I was passing someone's guard, and I accidentally, like, you know, uh, you know the to all the toes between the big toe and the pinky? I, yeah. like, kicked them right into the sharp Ooh. part of his shin while I was passing guard. Full fucking force. Those three toes were fucked for ages, and I couldn't <laughs> walk. I, 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 I just played guard for for like month, a month. I'm like, yeah, I ain't, I ain't standing. Fuck you. <laughs> Man, that, I'm embarrassed. Recently, uh, one of my students, they went to go recover guard, and they need me on the inside of my shin. And I went to go teach the next day, like not realizing how injured I was. And I saw stars when my shin hit the other guy's shin to instruct. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know how those fucking Muay Thai guys do it the whole time with the fucking shin on shin bollocksology. Crazy, man. Absolutely nuts. Ah, uh, man. Or if you get. Do you ever see, like, I see people getting hurt when they go too boisterous on, like, you know, when you're getting shin on shin, right, and you want to go in for single leg X? Yeah. They, like, ram themselves into the, into the shin, shin on shin. Like, it's like a fucking. They'd hurt themselves doing that. I'm like, dude, fucking, what the hell? <laughs> be chill yeah it's 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 that's one of my favorite positions too yeah uh so man like we were talking about single leg x there and one of the things i really like uh, sorry uh, shin on shin we were talking about you know when they're like sitting in like 
you know the sort of new headquarters thing that Gordon Ryan and co are always using when it's like a, yeah. the split squat they call it that's so cool because if you ca- if you catch like the if you push on their shoulder and step in really good while they're coming into shin on shin you'll get them into this headquarters and you'll be able to just fuck them up with guard passes and shit all day long I love that fucking new, this new headquarters sort of position yeah. I, I try to work it like I've been trying to work it and watching these guys do it like I've been trying to work it nonstop and just that like the, 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 the top side shin to shin, I guess you would say like the way these guys are leg pummeling into the pass. I'm not sure if it's called float passing or not. I could be wrong, but like the way these guys, they, they, they pull through that shin to shin and they drive that knee towards a diaphragm. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's really changed. I love how much like, jiu-jitsu has exploded to the point where there's all these instructionals to watch and all these matches to study i get up in the morning and it's like if i'm not watching an instructional i'm watching matches on flow and 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 just you know screen recording them and slowing it down and just studying tape i i I love i love how much jiu-jitsu's exploded in this sense Mm. speaking of instructionals guys mike's one on bjf phonetics matt the turtle turtle attacks will be listed in description below i'd highly recommend it i've had it for about a year and oh my god i fucking kill people with the pervy <laughs> necktie set up in it people get fucking pissed off at me for doing this because i'm ripping their fucking heads off with it <laughs> man right after right after i released that dvd i went into like um i went into like a dars rabbit hole where i just like really started studying the dars and hitting it from all different positions and the reason i, f- I fell in love with turtle was because I just found myself getting to turtle nonstop, and I'm like, one day I'm like, you know, I, the, the the way that I even started getting there was I, I I sat in on a private lesson. I was the uki, like the guy getting the moves done to them, and my buddy uh, Vlad, um, who also I went to Russia with, he was teaching the crucifix from the turtle position and it blew my mind and i went back to the gym and i just started working it non-stop and then people started to get hip to it because i'd put them in turtle and crucifix them and they stopped grabbing the leg and then that led me to go down like a truck rabbit hole and then a front headlock rabbit hole and right after filming that dvd i went into a dars i went right down a dars rabbit hole for like man like a year and a half and I, w- I was having such great success with it. My students started having great success with it. And, uh, man, if you don't mess around with the Dars, start messing around with the Dars. It, it, it's Oof. so good. Dude, I'm right there with you. I fucking, I used to love the Anaconda choke so much. Like, I'd just fling people into fucking, into Turtle, whether it be me snapping them down or just sprawling on them. I'm right there with you, man. I love Turtle. I'd either get them in the Anaconda. I, I kept putting people in the Anaconda choke so fucking much. People will call it the Andrew Conda because <laughs> it was like a foregone conclusion. If I got you into Turtle, you're getting fucking Anaconda. Exactly, you're getting choked. People would sort of got wise to it now. Like, now my Anaconda has dipped so much, but my Dars has gotten so much better. And it just uses a similar setup, but I just go and do the vice grip, crush them down, and just rah, wrench it on. I fucking I love Darces, man. They're so it's like it's it's my new favorite submission now, but it's not nowhere near as catchy as like Andrew Conda. So I'm like, eh, that's one bad thing about it though. That's one <laughs> badass nickname though. Yeah, I'm fucking I'm 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 hitting myself now that I I let my Darce that my let my Anaconda dip. I'm like, eh, Darce is better anyway because you know if you lose the Anaconda, you're kind of in a shit position. But it's not not big deal if you lose the Darce. You're still a north south or something. It's so funny how that works in jiu-jitsu, man. Like, you know, we'll, 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 we'll play this game or we'll play this, this position and we'll be, like, really good at it for the, the next two years or, you know, year and a half. And then people get hip to it or, or maybe you just start to move away from it. And then you try to go back to it and you're like, fuck, man, I used to be way better at this. You know, like, you, you're missing all the, all the basics of what made you so good at it before because you haven't, you know, done it in so long. Hmm. Oh, dude. Uh, sorry to be picking your brain about this one more time, but like, uh, you know, uh, what's what would you say is uh, your favorite dar setup that you're playing with now as a fellow darcer here? So I like to do the marsh choke where I where I I I'm on top in the front headlock and then I slide to my hip and I shoot the dars from me being on the bottom. With the marsh, I, I saw a video about that there. Like, what's the sort of intricacies with the marsh choke? So the marsh choke, what, what I like about it is when I hit a darse from the top, people's elbow that's trapped has all that space between, you know, 
the the their body and the ceiling, right? Like there's all this room for them to move around and try to escape that arm. And when you hit the dars from the bottom, which is called the Mars position, their arm is trapped. So they can't bring their arm up and over. Their elbow's pinned to the mat. So I'll, I'll send you a video of it uh, when we get off of here. But, man, you might you might find this to be, like, a huge help. Um, it's, Shit, it's, that, make, that makes so much sense, man, because so much of, like, whenever I'm playing, like, to escape the Darces, it's all into, it's all reliant on, like, getting the arm free and flaring an underhook and just yeah. sitting back to half guard. Yeah. That's, like... That kills so much fucking escape opportunities. Like it's made by a fucking head spin right now. Like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> what do you say? There's, there's a light bulb above my head. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta let me know how you do with it. You gotta go experiment with it. All right, just uh, just one more th- one more Darce question, then I'll shut sure. up. I swear. No, like no. Uh, okay, so like one of the things like I was watching some Henry Gracie videos just there, and one of the things he does is the shallow Darce, where he's grabbing his forearm and not his bicep. Say he can't get the bicep because sometimes it's hard to get really deep in it what's your thinking on the shallow darts because i find whenever i do it it's nowhere near as good and i'm just fighting for it as an adjustment to get to the real darts that what's is your probably that 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 i call it the short arm darts but the shallow darts is the same thing and i do the exact same that's like my number one finish of whether it's the marsh choke which is from the bottom or the darts from the top I almost always exclusively go for that short arm grip. And the key to it is you roll your wrist because your wrist is now going to be doing the job that your bicep was doing before. So I flare my wrist into their neck and I get the squeeze like that. And I definitely am a huge fan of the short arm Dars. And and like I said, it's probably one of my top submissions. Shit, that makes a lot of sense. Because whenever I do it, I just have like, my hand be like just grabbing it all week but instead but with the flare i'm like i'm even doing it right now just noticing the little grip adjustments i'm like shit that's fucking useful as hell because you yeah. know even with just tiny adjustments it makes something really way better yeah when i go for darces in tournaments i almost like uh i've, I've got a bunch of darts finishes in, in, in competition and i want to say that all of them are short arm darces i'm almost positive that they're all short arm darces Hmm. Oh man, <laughs> thanks for the little uh, workshop and thing. Now uh, I'll get back to the questions, man. If you, if you could time travel to any historical period, where would you go and why? Oh man, um, that's a super fascinating question. Where would I go and why? And mind you, it's consequence free, so I won't go changing timelines or any of that stupid shit. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I'd probably want to go back to like the days of the American Revolution, you know. And it depends, right? Am I am I just chilling for a couple of days, you know? Because I don't know if I could do go without electricity and all of that. Oh, you know? dude, grab a musket and a bayonet, go kill some <laughs> fucking redcoats. Fuck those then, guys. Then I'm in. Yeah, then I'm in. So that I would say probably the American Revolution. <laughs> nah, dude, that'd be awesome. Like old school muskets, with the fucking bayonets were the tits. Like they're so cool. You just, just like, run at someone with this fucking bayonet and just. Sh- shiv the fuck out of them and run them into a tree or something. <laughs> I saw the movie The Patriot when I was, I don't know, like 11 or 12, and I was like, yo, man, this would be awesome. I, I pictured myself, like, carrying a bunch of hatchets and throwing them at people. It, it was pretty cool. Uh, dude, like, I, I up until, like, last week, I had a mohawk, and I was like, oh, just watch the Mohicans the whole time. <laughs> uh, it's funny because uh, I used to be really good at the bow and arrow choke, and the Mohicans were good archers, so I'm like, no fucking wonder. <laughs> I know he can choke now. Uh, oh my god, uh, Mike! In your uh, professional opinion, <clears throat> do you think you could pull off a handlebar mustache? I think I could. I think I yeah. could. I don't know if my wife would be happy with it, but but I think I could. <laughs> well, how about you say to her, if she can darse you, you'll shave it. <laughs> Always, I've always had facial hair, man. Like I got ringworm. The true story behind me having facial hair at all times. Like I've always got somewhat of a beard, right? And mm-hmm. the reason is, is probably like ten years ago, I used to shave before jujitsu, and one time I got some gnarly ringworm from clean shaving myself. You know, and it went like all in my hair follicles, and I didn't know about it because my I was letting my face grow a little bit, and uh, yeah. So I, I it, the beard protects me. That's 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 what I'm going with. Mm. Plus, helps, helps protects you from the strangles a bit as well. Exactly. 
Oh, dude, do you ever like uh, see someone with like freshly like a bit of stubble? They like rub the, their stubble like into you when they're fucking on t- when they're in psychotrol. Beard torture, like it's so like with the rough facial hair on them, it fucking kills you. It's so oh, sore. don't put it past me. I would totally do that. <laughs> uh, dude, one of the things I really like doing, like with the front headlock, like before I'm even like locking up the head and arm, you know, when I'm trying to just keep the pin, I like put my chin, like you know, like in the position. Uh, between their neck and the beginning the the beginning of their spine where it's yes. like in between their shoulder blades i drive my chin like right in there and it just makes them ugh, like do a bit of a spasm and just i just use that to fuck with and then it's really sore <laughs> I, i'm over here doing the motion of that digging my chin it yes i'm totally with you on that yeah dude it's so good because while they're squirming slap on the front headlock do your little roll and submit them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's all smoke and mirrors, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mike, we got a bit. We got a bit of a, a moral conundrum here. If you're up for it, hit me. Uh, I can't hit you because you kicked the shit out of me, uh, man. Uh, would you rather? Would you rather cure cancer or solve world hunger? Oh, that's a tough one, man. That is that is a that is a tough question to answer. Maybe we can solve world hunger, and that'll lead to less cancer. Yeah, maybe one of the hungry kids will grow up to cure cancer, get a two-for-one deal. Exactly. People never consider that. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, uh, what would you say is uh, your jiu-jitsu spirit animal if you have one? And no, you can't say the turtle, so don't even say it. <laughs> uh, my spirit? Um, I would say a hawk. I'll be a hawk. Uh, dude, why not an eagle? Because, like, rock flag and eagle, because America. <laughs> Khabib is the eagle, so I couldn't take it. Oh, so you'll I, just beat I, a hawk. Great value, Khabib. Uh, you could beat a bald eagle because you always have tight hair. Bald this is eagle. true. I could be the bald eagle. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, this is this is the way, man. <laughs> uh, man, I, ever since seeing the Mandalorian, every, I just say this is the way. Just whenever I I don't feel like explaining <laughs> something, this is the way. <laughs> I I have, I've got to be honest. I haven't seen that show, man. I heard it's amazing. Oh, it's- it is, man. It's really good. The best thing to come out of Star Wars in the past fucking twenty odd years. That's what I. That's what I've been told. I heard. I heard it's phenomenal. Or another one of my many catchphrases is, uh, "That's just the way Humanzi rolls." Because you know, the name of the podcast, my nickname is Humanzi, so that's just the way Humanzi rolls. How did you get this nickname? Uh, see, um, when I uh, when I, I'd only been training jiu-jitsu for about a few months, and like. Uh, <clears throat> Like, I'd done a bit of MMA with the brother, with my brother at this MMA gym. Not a lot, mind you. I was like, oh, fuck this, I want to do jiu-jitsu. And I went back. I'd only been tra- I'd been training for a few months. And, like, the guys who came to this class, they're all strikers, really. And I just brought the grappling gloves. So, you know, none of these guys really wanted to do any MMA sparring. So, but I did, any- we did anyway. So, like, I took one of them down. I got on top. And I jokingly make make the make the gesture that I'm gonna ham, double hammer fist him, like I'm gonna like smash him like a gorilla, like I'm punching him a little, and then I just submit him. And my brother was laughing at me, saying, "Oh man, you should uh, you should be your fighting name should be Gorilla Boy or something." But I'd heard about Stalin making this uh, hypothetical uh, what's it called hybrid well, of a human yeah. and a chimp called the human z and i was like no no no. how about how about human z he's like oh dude that's a fucking great name because I, I told my brother <laughs> is, about this fucking human z nickname yeah and uh i i just rolled with it i rolled with it because like i'm very into smash passing and just fucking ripping like just making people miserable when i'm on top of them so like human z kind of stuck <laughs> that, yeah that's an epic nickname Plus, I just think the, the name Humanzi Jitsu is really good for the Instagram handle instead of being Andrew Quinn BJJ, which is a bit presumptuous on my part. So. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I don't think I don't think that sounds good. So I'll uh, see. So, oh, and oh, Mike, we've reached the, the last question. Are you ready for the last question? Yes, sir. Ooh. If you created a guard, doesn't matter what grips, leg adjustments, or configuration of whatever it is, what would you call this hypothetical guard? Man, I had so I was doing like rubber guard with the gi, and whoa, my, whoa, whoa, whoa! We don't do that here. We don't do <laughs> rubber guard and the gi. Those, those things don't mix, dude. I was it's, using it's the, like... the lapels for this, and uh, this this is like before Keenan was doing the gubber guard, right? And uh, so 
my coach comes over and he's like, man, we're going to call that Macoinero guard. And I was like, uh, why are you going to call it Macoinero guard? And he's like, uh, because it translates to pothead and you'd have to be a pothead to think that that's a guard. And uh, it, was, <laughs> it was it was hilarious. So I had invented Macoinero guard. Or how about, like, how about stoner or steamer guard? Because we call like stoners over here, steamers. Steamers. Yeah, steamers, because, you know, stoners, and the smoke, smoke looks like steam, so a bunch of steamers. <laughs> I think steamer card works. Because uh, I wonder if you could do an estima lock from steamer guard, eh? You could, you could, you could do it to, you do it to yourself. <laughs> exactly, you do it to yourself. Yeah. Or do it like, uh, what's it called? I, I remember, I was trying to remember, I was doing this stupid shit with the lapel one time. Oh yeah, whenever I was in psych control and the person wasn't very good at keeping psych control, I just used the lapel to escape. But I'd be holding it for two minutes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to get out with this fucking lapel. And then I fucking did. I'm like, ha! Because like, people would always make fun of me for using lapel stuff and they just sneer me. Because I'm, I'm the only person I know who does lapel guard. Oh, sorry, there's like two other people I know. What do you think about lapel shit? Like this, uh, in terms of practicality, Like, what's your thinking? Man, I used to play a lot of it. I had Keenan at my gym for a seminar to learn more about it. And I played for a long time, probably like a year into Black Belt, I started playing a lot of like reverse Della Worm Guard. And it eventually like fell off because it almost was like a cheat. You know, it's like really hard for people to deal with. And then, um, yeah, I just wound up stopped playing it. But I, but I loved it, man. I, I had a nice little game from there. I started playing it like out of single leg X, like a single leg X and Worm Guard hybrid. And uh, I, I loved Ooh, it. That, 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 that's actually a thing now. It's called Anubis Guard. Oh, really? Yeah, there's, I got an instructional there on Jiu-Jitsu X by Ganon Lang called uh, uh, Enter the Anubis Guard. It's, it's pretty much it's where they take the far side lapel and wrap it under both, both uh, your leg and their leg. And you use like your free leg that would be under hip facing out as like sweeping and elevation opportunities. Nice. And you can put it into shin on shin. It's pre that's pretty handy. Yo, do me a favor. When we get off of here, please, please send me a link to that. I'd like to check that out. I used to play that game pretty heavy, and like I said, it wound up being like, you know, it was like almost like like cheating in a way. Like I would just use it all the time and everybody, and 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 it was like there was no answer for it. So I was like, I gotta fucking open my game up more than this, you know. But uh, yeah, that's what did they? What did you say? Nubis guard? Uh, yeah, Nubis guard. Like I'll pull it up and send it to you when we're when we're done with the uh, the episode. Yeah, please do. Oh, one sec. Uh, so guys, we've reached the end of the podcast there, and if you want to follow Mike on anything, it's at Mike Palladino BJJ. I'll have everything in the description, his instructional, his Instagram, and of course, his famous video of him exposing that weird guy who pretended to be a black belt. <laughs> uh, so Mike, is there anything you want to say before we shoot off? No, man, I just really thank you for your time. It was a real pleasure to be on the podcast and talk with you, and uh, hopefully one day I get out to Ireland or you get out here to New York and we get some training in. I'd love that. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mike. And guys, uh, so thanks, guys for thanks for listening all the way through. And as always, if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Humanzijitsu, at Humanzijitsu Podcast, at Shawnee Jitsu, and at Congress. Guys, 